Hey, these are my sisters. Hi. 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 Ramona. I'm Gary. Gary, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Annabelle. Hi. Isn't he so cute? Yes. And his eyes. Isn't he Can I have three shots? You know what he looks like, don't you? He looks like Tom Cruise. No, no, no. Tom Cruise. Your smile. It is. I thought a little. It's really good. Mini Bob Saget. Yeah. More sunny. He's got more twinkle in it. I know. Here we go, guys. Oh, the wine Oh, no, no, no. oh, okay. All right. Shots, lady. Okay. Yes. Yes. You guys are sisters? Yes. Same dad, different mom. Two oh. sisters. Two sisters. Two sisters. Two sisters. In a world overflowing with movies, we need a hero. Someone to separate the bad from the good. Sounds like a job. Welcome to Verbal Diorama, episode 205, Hustlers. This is the podcast that's all about the history and legacy of movies you know and movies you don't. And welcome to Verbal Diorama. Whether you are a brand new listener to this podcast, whether you are a regular returning listener, thank you so much for coming back to Verbal Diorama for the 205th episode. I'm so very happy to have you here for the history and legacy of Hustlers. And this is a movie that has been on my radar for such a long time. It is a very recent movie. It only came out in 2019. But there is, as always, an incredible story behind Hustlers. And it is, again, based on a true story, if you weren't aware. I mean, you probably would have been if you'd seen the movie because it's set up like it's based on a true story. But there are some differences between the story that we got on screen and the story in real life. But, as always... I'd like to thank you all for being here, but i also like to thank you all for listening to previous episodes of this podcast. If you did listen, if you didn't, that's absolutely fine. But the last couple of episodes just had such a wonderful reception. And they were Gentlemen Prefer Blondes and Hidden Figures. I wanted to focus on women in film this month. So I've chosen Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, Hidden Figures, and now Hustlers to give you a really diverse look at women in film. And Hustlers is kind of a bit of an exception as well, because not only were there women on screen, there were also an incredible group of women behind the scenes getting Hustlers made, pretty similarly to Hidden Figures, actually. But as always, I'm always floored by the reception that these episodes get and the reception this podcast gets, actually. It's just so wonderful to hear such positive comments about episodes and that people like listening. But one of the things that I realised recently was there's been a lot of Dorothys on this podcast. So... In episode 200, we obviously had the original Dorothy Gale. In Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, we had Dorothy Shaw. And in Hidden Figures, we had Dorothy Bourne. And now in this movie, there's another Dorothy. She goes by destiny in the movie. But there are no more Dorothys after this. Not for a while, anyway. I'll try and pop another Dorothy in at some point just for lols. But no, there are no more Dorothys. There are more women coming up, though. But in this movie, we have a diverse, interesting group of women led by Constance Wu, 
and the inimitable Jennifer Lopez. And the con is on because here's the trailer for Hustlers. Front hook, ankle hook, knee hook. From here, you could do the carousel. Just switch and wrap. Minus 40% is 160. I just want to take care of my grandma, maybe go shopping every once in a while. When I was a kid, I always wanted to work with animals. <laughs> I was close. These Wall Street guys, you see what they did to this country? They stole from everybody. Hardworking people lost everything. And not one of these douchebags went to jail. The game is rigged, and it does not reward people who play by the rules. It's like robbing the bank, except you get the keys. Are you in? I got a fuck. I need a shit. I need for my life. These are my coworkers. Jobs, please. What if somebody calls the cops? And says what? Woo! I spent $5,000 at a strip club, send help. Ah, damn. Um, We're a family now. Ah, damn. Um, a family with money. Ah, damn. And when would you say that things got out of control? Look at the test of mirror. So the guy went back three more times. Guess he must have liked it. I was born to flex. Diamonds on my neck. I like boarding jets. I like more than sex. But nothing in this world. I like more than jets. We didn't do anything wrong. You know, Tony wouldn't let this happen. I'm going to text him. Who gave her her phone back? Jump it down. Pick it up. Ooh, hey. Make that, make that too. In 2007, Dorothy starts working at a strip club as Destiny in order to help take care of her grandmother who was raised her since she was little. She meets Ramona Vega, a legendary stripper who wows her with an incredible routine. Ramona takes Destiny under her wing and teaches her the craft of stripping and how to earn big money. All of the strippers are like family and for a while, times are good. In 2008, the recession hits and the Wall Street types who regularly spent money at the club either don't spend or spend less. The club goes downhill and Destiny leaves the club after becoming pregnant. She and Ramona lose touch. In 2011, Destiny is a single mother to a two-year-old daughter and is faced with providing for both her daughter and her grandmother. She reluctantly returns to the strip club only to find the clientele and strippers are very different, willing to do much more for much less. Destiny runs into Ramona and realises all the girls are struggling financially. Ramona sees a business opportunity. Find rich guys, bring them back to the club, ply them with drink and drugs, and run up their credit cards. Let's run through the cast. We have Constance Wu as Dorothy, aka Destiny, Jennifer Lopez as Ramona Vega, Julia Stiles as Elizabeth, Kiki Palmer as Mercedes, Lily Reinhardt as Annabelle, Lizzo as Liz, Cardi B as Diamond, Mercedes Rule as Mama. Wai Ching Ho as Destiny's grandmother, Madeline Brewer as Dawn, and Trace Lissette as Tracy. 
And Usher also cameos as himself. Hustlers has a screenplay by Lorenz Scafaria, is based on The Hustlers at Scores by Jessica Pressler, published in the New York Magazine, and was directed by Lorenz Scafaria. And Hustlers, as I said, just like Hidden Figures, is also based on a remarkable true story of female ingenuity and tenacity. The difference being that automatically strippers immediately get a bad rap purely for being strippers. But it's the fact that these women were strippers which makes this particular hustle so easy to pull off. There are more embellishments in this true story, names that have been changed from reality, but the core story of how a group of strippers successfully targeted and stole hundreds of thousands of dollars from wealthy New York businessmen is a true one. And it was a story that was first printed in the pages of New York Magazine in Jessica Pressler's December 2015 article, The Hustlers at Scores. Like the movie, it's not just about the hustle, it's also about the deep bond of friendship and sisterhood. The friendship was between Rosalind, Rosie Keogh and Samantha Barbash, the destiny and Ramona of this true story. Rosie Keogh's parents were Cambodian refugees who left her and her brother with their grandparents as children. She often wondered if that abandonment led to her becoming a hard worker and striving to succeed later in life. Keogh would become a stripper at a local club in Rockland County about an hour and a half from New York City before moving into the city to get more work in the big city clubs including flash dancers in Times Square and Larry Flint's Hustler Club. It was at Hustler that she met Samantha Barbash. Both had come from humble beginnings and both found an affinity with each other and a deep friendship akin to sisterhood. The story would be familiar to anyone who's seen the movie. Keo and Barbash worked together, stripping to earn money and tips from the male clientele. Instead of the clubs paying the dancers, the dancers would pay the club for the privilege of working there. In many ways, strip clubs emulate the real world more than anything, with the men in a position of power and privilege, and the women valued for their beauty and their bodies alone. But Keo and Barbash were at the top of their game, and when Keo left the industry to have a child, she found the world of stripping different when she returned in 2008. The financial crisis had taken its toll, the rich clientele had all but left the scene, and Barbash had turned away from stripping and into fishing for clients to take to the club and pay for tips. She ran a crew of beautiful women whose only job was to lure men into the clubs. Those women included Marcy Rosen and Karina Pascucci, who would feature in the film loosely as Mercedes and Annabelle, respectively. They would consult a Rolodex full of previous clients. One woman would meet him for a drink and then the others would turn up. They would negotiate a lucrative percentage of these men's spends at the club, clubs including the titular scores on Manhattan's west side, and Roadhouse NYC Gentlemen's Club in Flushing, Queens. If the clients refused to take drugs, a combination of ketamine, methadone, and cocaine was slipped into their drink, and as no man would want to admit to being drugged and stolen from by a group of strippers, they continued to get away with it. But one victim named Fred in official reports, and Doug B in the movie, went to the police. And Fred really had had a terrible time of late. His house had been destroyed in a hurricane, his wife had left him with their autistic child and Rosalind Keogh had bonded with him over their shared status as single parents. Keogh and Barbash cleaned out his accounts and he begged them to return his money. He called the NYPD and gave them a recording of a conversation with another former stripper, an informant who to this day remains anonymous. On this tape, she admits to the women drugging and stealing from men. But one guy's testimony wasn't enough to convict and investigators struggled to find men willing to come forward and admit to being victimised by women. A cardiologist refused to pay the $135,000 bill charged to his credit card at scores 
and claimed he couldn't possibly run up such a high bill without being drugged. Two months after an article of the cardiologist was published in the New York Post, Barbash and Keogh were charged with two counts of conspiracy, four counts of grand larceny, two counts of assault and three counts of forgery. Pascucci was charged with two counts of conspiracy, four counts of grand larceny and one count of forgery, while Rosen was charged with two counts of conspiracy, three counts of grand larceny, one count of assault and two forgery. All four women pleaded guilty to their crimes, with Keogh taking a plea deal that kept her out of jail entirely. She and Barbash were both sentenced to five years probation, while Rosen and Pascucci were sentenced to four months of weekends in jail and five years probation. Remarkable story, but not really when you think of society and class and how these men would likely never think a group of strippers capable of any kind of hustle usually found on Wall Street. Jessica Pressler's article was read by Lorenz Scafaria, who didn't see it as a crime, but more of the, quote, fascinating friendship story at its core, unquote. And while there were court documents, tabloid articles and police transcripts on the story, Scafaria wanted to adapt this story for the screen and she wanted to base it on Pressler's article and Pressler's article alone. With Pressler's character serving as a stand-in for the viewer and giving the audience a chance to empathise with the strippers and depicting her character interviewing Rosalind Keogh's character, these characters would become Elizabeth and Destiny. Rosalind Keogh would publish her own memoir, The Sophisticated Hustler, in 2019. She admits the movie contains some inaccuracies, but fully cooperated with both Jessica Pressler's original article and even helped to promote the film Hustlers when it came out. For her part, Samantha Barbash denied that she came up with the cocktail of drugs and also took umbrage with Jennifer Lopez's portrayal of the character based on her. She ended up suing the distributors and production companies involved in Hustlers in May 2020 for $40 million for compensation and punitive damages for exploitation of her image and defamation of character. Despite her pleading guilty to the real-life events, the court found that as the film didn't use Barbash's name, image or voice in the movie, that she had no cause for complaint and the suit was dismissed. The story is a fascinating one and a damning one. So many rich white men seemingly invincible were scammed. It was actually a comment on the stupidity of men, really, and Lorenz Scafaria knew two things. Not only was this a great story ripe for Hollywood treatment, it was also going to be really, really tough to get it made. Because we all know who doesn't like to look in the mirror when confronted by their own weaknesses and inadequacies. And that would be rich white men. The same rich white men in charge of most Hollywood studios. Gloria Sanchez Productions, the sister company to Gary Sanchez, purchased the rights to the story. It was founded by Jessica Elbaum in 2014 and it focused on female comedy as opposed to Gary Sanchez, helmed by Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. Gary Sanchez would produce comedies like Step Brothers and Command 2, The Legend Continues and Eurovision, The Story of Fire Saga, as well as dramas like Vice and the TV show Succession. Gary Sanchez was actually dissolved in 2019 with Gloria Sanchez, the new name of the reorganised company. Hustlers was a co-production with Noyorican Pictures and Annapurna Pictures. Noyorican Pictures is the production company founded by Jennifer Lopez and Benny Medina in 2001. And Lopez was the key to getting this movie made in more ways than one. In May 2016, Annapurna Pictures announced they were financing Hustlers, based on a script by Lorenz Scafaria, who they asked to initially just be the screenwriter and not the director, because Jessica Elbaum, the founder of Gloria Sanchez, had one babe in mind for this crime drama. And that name was, unsurprisingly, Martin Scorsese. After all, he was known for making movies like this. 
but he'd never made a movie focused on women before. Deep down, though, Scafarian knew she wanted to direct Hustlers, but in order to get the gig, Scorsese would need to turn it down. Scafarian created a sizzle reel with editor Kayla Emter, the footage of strippers and strip teases, setting them to Chopin. She said to Elbaum, who realised Scorsese wasn't the person to direct this movie, it was Scafaria. Scorsese would pass on the opportunity, which left it open for Scafaria, and once it was hers, she set about casting her dream cast, and there was one name she wanted above all others, and that name was, of course, Jennifer Lopez. Now, I am a huge fan of Jennifer Lopez, and it's pretty remarkable it's taken 205 episodes for her to even appear on this podcast because I love her music, genuinely. And I love most her. of her movies as well. Even her rom-coms are genuinely made better just by having Jennifer Lopez in them. I know I'm not a fan of rom-coms, but this role of Ramona Vega was tailor-made for Lopez, genuinely by Lorenz Gaffaria. And Jennifer Lopez is known in the industry as a triple threat. She's a singer, a dancer, and an actress. She started out as a dancer, her first well-known part as a fly girl on In Living Colour, and she had a few small movie roles before hitting the big time with her lead role in Selena in 1997. Then came one of her best roles in 1998, Out of Sight with George Clooney, which is a great movie, by the way. And then she launched her music career in 1999. So Jennifer Lopez has been in the business for decades by this point. So they sent the script to Jennifer Lopez and basically prayed that she would accept Scafaria met with Lopez at our home in January 2018 and a deal was agreed for Lopez to star and produce. It was Lopez who persuaded Cardi B to join the movie because Cardi B had been a stripper and just like the women in the movie, she saw stripping as a positive experience. She escaped poverty, domestic violence and put herself through school by stripping and Lopez wouldn't take no for an answer and having Cardi on set, but she also acted as technically a stripping consultant not that she was on set a lot, she and Lizzo completed their filming in just one day due to hectic tour schedules and the like. But just the mere fact that both Cardi B and Lizzo are in this movie did garner some positive press. Also a huge fan of Lizzo, by the way. Love that woman. Constance Wu, who'd received praise for her starring role in Crazy Rich Asians, but was mostly known as the mother in the comedy series Fresh Off the Boat, received the script from her agent and knew that she would be the perfect destiny. But she'd never played anyone like Destiny before. She was still working on Fresh Off the Boat at the time, but wanted the role so badly she worked on both Fresh Off the Boat during the week and Hustlers at the weekend. Like everyone else in the cast, Wu agreed to a lower paycheck than normal to ensure that the movie was made. But there were problems because Annapurna Pictures abruptly dropped Hustlers due to budgetary constraints the same month that Wu joined the movie. In October 2018, after it reportedly couldn't sell the international distribution rights, it was slated for production to begin in early 2019, but that wouldn't be happening unless a new distributor could be found. And selling a story about a group of women who scammed rich white men was always going to be a hard sell to a group of rich white men. People have and will always unfairly judge strippers. It made male studio executives uncomfortable. The producers of Hustlers had their own hustle to persuade male executives to give this movie a chance. A movie helmed by women, a female director, a female editor, a female production designer, a female line producer and an almost entirely female cast. STX Entertainment stepped up through their association with Jennifer Lopez and acquired the distribution rights and once STX were on board, the production then ramped up very quickly with Scafaria doing another draft of the script ready for December 2018. So bear in mind at this point, the movie came out in September of 2019, 
so we're already talking nine months away from this point. Cardi B, Lily Reinhardt, Kiki Palmer, Julia Stiles and Mercedes Rule didn't join the cast until March 2019. Lizzo joined in April 2019. Usher in May 2019. And in the meantime, Constance Wu had been training. She installed a pole in her living room. She took private pole dancing lessons and became friends with strippers. She spent her Christmas Eve of 2018 in a strip club. And in order to prepare for Ramona's introductory solo pole dance routine, and without professional standing, Jennifer Lopez started pole dancing training with professional dancer and choreographer Joanna Sapaki two and a half months prior to the start of filming. Lopez and her then-fiancé Alex Rodriguez also visited a strip club and went backstage to meet the strippers, talk to them about their careers, and realised that most of them were just typical wives and mothers, providing for their kids' education or their own education. And just like you might use a hammer to build a chair, these women were using their own tools, their bodies. It didn't make them any less of a valued member of society, just like anyone who chooses to undertake any sort of strip work or sex work or OnlyFans or escorts. Society tells us we should treat these women differently, but really, they're just women doing jobs. And it's this judgment that the society has against these women that gives the men in suits, the Wall Street types, the confidence that these women couldn't, in fact, have the power necessary to do something like this. And this movie was never going to work unless the dancing actually looked authentic. And Jennifer Lopez, obviously, she started out as a dancer. She has a dancer's body. She's incredibly fit and toned. But she realised very quickly that pole dancing was nothing like she'd ever experienced before. Her introductory dance scene was shot like a stunt with three cameras. It was Lopez's idea to dance to Fiona Apple's Criminal, which had never been licensed for a film before. Of course, Apple said yes to Jennifer Lopez because everyone says yes to Jennifer Lopez. Even Verbal Diorama says yes to Jennifer Lopez. Lopez stripped in the club in front of 250 extras, assisted by Jacqueline Francis, a stripper who consulted on the film and worked as a comfort consultant. She would tell the actors things like, when in doubt, touch yourself, touch your boobs, touch your leg, touch your butt, play with your hair, touch your body, and that slow is sexy. It gave the actors even more respect for the women in the strip club because not only were they gorgeous, they could dance, they could act, they were also technically athletes. And with this being a team of women, everyone cheered everyone else on. The chemistry on screen also happened off screen. Jacqueline Francis, aka Jack the Stripper, would say, quote, I felt so respected for my opinion and my expertise, coming from my background where sex work is stigmatised and considered not real work, and that we're disposable, and the violence against us is acceptable. It's really important to have compassionate and authentic representation of sex workers in mainstream media, and the only way that's going to be achieved is by hiring sex workers to play the parts and to consult on these films, unquote. Consent was a big part of this production, and while Constance Wu wasn't happy to go nude personally, others were fine with it. This is a movie that toys with the male gaze, but it's also done with the full consent of women working behind the scenes. Hustler's principal photography lasted just 29 days, started on the 22nd of March 2019 in New York City. The production finished on the 3rd of May. Additional scenes were filmed in New Rochelle, White Plains and the Palisade Centre, all to the north of the city. The production company for Hustlers rented out Show Palace in Long Island for five days in April 2019. According to the people who worked there, three employees, two dancers and a manager were cast in the film. Dancers who weren't hired by the production were unable to work during those days, which meant these dancers couldn't work during the five-day period. 
and they weren't compensated by the production or show palace, likely losing out on about two to four thousand dollars. Obviously, strippers don't tend to have a union or workers' rights, but with many dancers unable to work at the clubs, many took a financial hit by the filming, regardless of the fact it was exciting to have their club featured. Lorenz Scafaria did encourage people to visit Show Palace in an Instagram post and did apologise for the lack of financial compensation. And as I say, scheduling kind of started to get tricky when you have such a small window of opportunity to make a movie, only 29 days, but you've also got people like Cardi B on tour, Lizzo on tour, Lopez about to go on tour. Lily Reinhardt was filming Riverdale's third season and she would fly back and forth from Canada multiple times in one week. Every day was a white knuckle race against the sun or the clock or reality, said Scafaria. Hustler's costume designer Mitchell Travers designed the costumes for Jennifer Lopez to showcase the strength and muscle tone she amassed during her pre-Hustler's training. And this was without running afoul of the film's planned R rating. He dreamed up the diamond bodysuit she wore during her initial dance, which was simply connected by three straps. He also used the clothing to depict relationships and the relationships to wealth and status. The fur coat belonging to Ramona, which was unfortunately a real fur, which the production rented, signified the protection that Ramona offered. Ramona then buying Destiny her own fur signifies a symbolic passing of the torch and an acknowledgement of Ramona's feelings towards Destiny as her second-in-command. Travis deliberately wanted top-stitch jeans, chain belts, bracelets and heavy jewellery to show the trends of fashion in the early 2000s. And as their wealth accumulates, so does their spending, going from designer clothing and handbags to taking care of each other, providing for their extended hustler family. Travis used paparazzi photos of Tina Tequila and Snooki as references for their outfits for when they're finally busted. And even Destiny's outfit she wears while she's being interviewed by Elizabeth is meant to show her demure innocence, despite basically everything that she's seeing and the fact that she was convicted of all of these crimes. Speaking of demure innocence, let's segue into the obligatory Keanu reference of this episode. So this is a part of the podcast where I tried to link the movies I'm featuring with Keanu Reeves. Now, I can't imagine that Keanu's been to a strip club, but if he has, I bet he was incredibly respectful to all the women in the club. That's not the reference, but... I can just imagine him very respectfully putting, like, I don't know, a $20 bill in somebody's G-string, but very respectfully. I really wanted to link him to Jennifer Lopez in some way because I don't love Jennifer Lopez as much as Keanu because I don't think that's possible. But Jennifer Lopez is an absolute queen. But the only thing I could find that linked the two together was the fact they presented an award at the 1999 MTV Movie Awards together. And it's really cute, actually, because obviously Jennifer Lopez doesn't age and neither does Keanu Reeves. So they look exactly the same as they look now, but apparently in 1999. And if you are a millennial like myself, the music for Hustlers will be a thing of beauty just generally. Because Hustlers doesn't actually have a score. It uses pop, R&B, dance music of the late 1990s, early 2000s to essentially tell its story. It also uses some classic Frederick Chopin, too. Lorenz Scafaria saw the movie as a musical, with most of the music choices from the likes of Janet Jackson, Lord, and Britney Spears written into the script. They shot to songs they didn't know if they'd get the rights to or not, and the movie deliberately doesn't feature any songs by Jennifer Lopez, Lizzo, or Cardi B, because that opens up a weird discussion about paradoxes, and this is a crime drama. You're not supposed to be asking questions about Ramona being Jennifer Lopez and Jennifer Lopez 
having her music. It's not a movie that needs to make you think in that way. But one of the cool things that this movie does do with sound is you'll notice that certain names are bleeped out. Certain parts are completely silent, such as when Destiny stops Elizabeth recording, the movie is totally silent. It's a really clever narrative device, actually, because it makes you think that this movie is trying to tell us that it is based on a true story and that if the recording device is switched off, then you can't hear what's being said. Even before its release, Buzz started in earnest for Hustlers as a non-franchise, adult-driven drama focusing on and made by women. Rave pre-release reviews certainly helped, but the, really the focus was primarily on Jennifer Lopez as well as the involvement of Cardi B and Lizzo. Because the turnaround on Hustlers was so tight, they didn't have a trailer four to six months before release like a normal movie would. So instead, promotional clips were released mere weeks before its premiere. Studio executives predicted the majority of the audience would be women, interested to see a story by women for women, and 67% of attendances at cinemas were indeed female. Of course, it helped that J-Lo has 100 million followers on Instagram, Cardi B has 50 million, and Lily Reinhardt has 19 million. Social media was a huge influence on getting the word out about Hustlers. Hustlers World Premiere was at the Toronto International Film Festival on the 7th of September 2019, and it was theatrically released in the US on the 13th of September 2019. It opened at second at the box office behind it chapter two. It was the best opening of Jennifer Lopez's career. On a $20 million budget with a reported $38 million promotional budget on top, Hustlers grossed $105 million in the US and $52.6 million internationally for a total worldwide gross of $157.6 million. Deadline calculated a net profit of $49 million after expenses and revenues. And with a rating of 87% on Rotten Tomatoes, critics lavished praise on the cast but mostly on Lopez, saying her performance was a career best. Critics also praised the emotional depth, well-rounded characters and empowering story. A story that focused on the relationships between women and not just, ooh, women taking their clothes off. And when it came to awards season, the name on everyone's lips was Jennifer Lopez. She was almost considered a sure thing for a Best Supporting Actress Oscar nomination at one point. Why the Academy snubbed her, no one knows. But to have a career spanning almost 30 years and be one of the most high-profile actors and singers in the world and to have the biggest role of your career age 50 with the receipts to show for it, I think speaks for how wonderful Jennifer Lopez actually is. I realise this is turning into the Jennifer Lopez podcast, but I don't care because I love that woman. She would receive a Golden Globe nomination for Best Supporting Actress 22 years after her first for her starring role in Selena. She wouldn't win either. In fact, despite early bursts, Hustlers was notably absent from all of the major awards nominations. And that was because it wasn't seen as traditional Oscar bait, despite it being a huge hit. It seemed most voters didn't see it as a parable of class struggle, but as a glossy crime drama. But also bear in mind, most awards are held by the same rich white men who are the victims in this movie. So that might also have something to do with it. So all the major award shows didn't seem to like it enough to nominate it. I always like to ask on social media what people think of the movies that I'm featuring and I like to include the patrons. I also like to include people on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. So let's start with patrons and we've just got one comment this week from Vern who says, I remember liking Hustlers so much that after I finished watching it, friends were coming over to visit and I immediately said we are watching this again. The cast is all very good and it's one of the best films Jennifer Lopez has done since Out of Sight. I haven't seen it in a while, would love to revisit it again. 
And if a patron has a podcast, I do like to give that podcast a bit of a plug. So Vern hosts Cinema Recall. And Cinema Recall is basically the podcast that loves cult movies and loves discussing iconic moments in film as well. I will put some information in the show notes for Cinema Recall. Please go and have a listen. I was actually on Cinema Recall very recently to talk about Knock Knock, the film starring Anna de Armas and obviously Keanu Reeves. And it was so much fun to sit and chat with Vern about that movie. So have a listen to that and have a listen to the rest of the episodes too. Moving over to Twitter, we have at Film Effect Pod who said, I really, really like this film. I remember it being one of 2019's surprise films that really got me thinking about it days after my first viewing. I think it's the powerhouse cast featuring some really strong performances from Constance Wu and J-Lo. Love the look too. And at Trivia underscore Lad said, Love this film. Constance Wu is terrific in the lead and J-Lo should have got a best supporting nod from the Academy. Iconic use of Criminal by Fiona Apple too. I keep threatening to do a triple bill while I watch the first half of this the first half of The Big Short, then all of Margin Call, the rest of The Big Short, and finally the rest of Hustlers, a zoom into and out of the 2008 financial crisis. Moving over to Instagram, at Friendly Spa Pod said, I remember watching this during the pandemic and absolutely loving it. Great performances. No comments over on Facebook. And not all that many comments for Hustlers, to be honest, but... Thank you to everyone who did provide comments on Hustlers. And if you do want your comment read out on this podcast, comment on the thoughts posts that go up on social media, normally on a Friday, and put a comment on social media and I will read it out and I will credit you as well. I am at Verbal Diorama, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you find social media, that is where I am. Despite this movie being about strippers, this actually isn't a movie about strippers. It's actually about the complex relationships between women who happen to be strippers and who face constant judgment. Just like the movie faced constant judgment to be made in the first place. It's a story that focuses on and humanises women whose stories rarely get told. Just like the last episode on Hidden Figures in many ways. And these women are also in many ways more discriminated against purely because of their chosen profession. Dance tells a story, a story about lust, desire, love, heartbreak, power. And lack of power is something that really comes across in this story. If you have power, you don't understand what the world is like when you don't. And money and power go hand in hand. It's a story deeply rooted in capitalism, benefiting those who already have the money and power. And so, of course, when these strippers experience it, it goes to their heads. They start to make mistakes. And obviously, I'm not saying that drugging men with deep pockets is right. It's not. But you can't help but root for these women, and the movie wants us to root for them. Everything the Wall Street guys take for granted, these women also deserve. And just to add, I know I've talked a lot about Jennifer Lopez in this episode, but Constance Wu is terrific and totally playing against type from the roles that I've known her from in the past, like Crazy Rich Asians and Fresh Off the Boat. It's clear immediately how in awe of Ramona Destiny is. And so it's Constance Wu and so are we all because Jennifer Lopez just oozes sex and confidence and power. But Destiny and Ramona need each other, which makes the ending even more heartbreaking. We have to believe in the central relationship dynamic and we do because Constance Wu is so great at being enamoured with Jennifer Lopez. Or she's just great at acting like she is, which I don't know why you would need to act like you're enamoured with Jennifer Lopez because I think we all would be. Women in this line of work are often exploited, especially women of colour. It's not an easy business having your looks and body determine your worth. A 
According to some articles I've read online by actual strippers, this really goes somewhere to recognising their worth and their experiences. And that if a woman walks away from this movie wanting to be a stripper, that perhaps they've not been paying attention. This is not easy work. But it, like to be honest, any type of sex work is work. Providing for yourself or your family isn't shameful, but stealing from rich white guys actually kinda is. The hashtag stripper and associated terms, which dancers often use to network, support causes or advertise, was recently banned by Instagram. And despite the lifting of the restriction on all hashtags, sex workers are alleging that their social media accounts are being removed, potentially as a result of the contentious sex trafficking law, Foster SESTA, which makes websites criminally responsible for users' content. Dancers will lose the means by which they may defend their autonomy without their platforms. After the restriction, Jacqueline Francis moved to social media to denounce the widespread censorship of the sector and the gender differences at work because the hashtag male stripper remained uncensored. And while outrage was expressed when stripper hashtags were banned, stigma against sex workers always operates as a way of controlling and policing women's behaviour. Shadow banning strippers isn't the answer. And maybe if a movie like Hustlers can destigmatize strip work, as well as be based on a true story, that real change could be on the way. Because as Ramona says, the whole country is a strip club. You have people tossing the money and people doing the dance. Thank you for listening. As always, I would love to hear your thoughts on Hustlers. And if you do want to help and get involved and help this podcast grow, just by listening, you are doing that. But if you also want to recommend this podcast to a friend or family member, that would also help as well. You can also leave a rating or review wherever you found this podcast. And you can also find me on social media at Verbal Diorama. And you can retweet or like posts wherever you find me on social media. And if you did like this episode on Hustlers, I wanted to recommend the previous episode if you've not listened. It is a totally different subject matter because... It's about African-American mathematicians in NASA in the 60s. But again, it's based on a true story. True stories are something that I want to do more of on this podcast. And I also do want to focus more on people of colour on this podcast because, as I said in the episode on Hidden Figures, it's very clear that I've not focused on the stories of people of colour enough to be able to recommend movies that I've done in Hidden Figures. So I would very much like it if you've not seen Hidden Figures, if you've not listened to the episode on Hidden Figures, it is episode 204. Please watch Hidden Figures and please listen to that episode because it is an incredible true story just like this one. As always, give me feedback on my episode recommendations. And the next episode, I'm not even going to introduce it. I'm just going to play a clip. So hopefully you now know what's coming next. And if you don't, for episode 205, I am going to be doing the classic Bring It On. And this is a movie that I've wanted to talk about for such a long time. I adore Bring It On. Again, more women. But we're going to be focusing on teen comedy. Early 2000s teen comedies were often a bit duff, but Bring It On was so fantastic. It spawned like 100 sequels. 
But the first movie genuinely is terrific and I'm so excited to be talking about that next. And just by listening to this podcast, you are supporting this podcast. But if you want to sign up to support the show financially, you can do so at verbaldiorama.com slash Patreon. And as always, thank you to the wonderful patrons, to Simon E, Sade, Claudia, Simon B, Laurel, Derek, Fern, Kat, Andy, Mike, Luke, Michael, Scott, Brendan, Ian, Lisa, Sam, Jack, Dave, Chris, Stuart, Sonny, Drew, Nicholas, Zoe, Kev, Pete, Heather, Danny, Ali, Tyler, Stu, Brett, and Philip. I'm not going to suggest that Verbal Diorama dances on a pole for their Patreon money, but Verbal Diorama does virtually dance on a pole for their Patreon money. I also have a merch show. It's verbaldiorama.com slash merch. New merch is coming, I promise. The designs are being finalised as we speak and they are wonderful and I'm very proud. You can get in touch with me, verbaldiorama at gmail.com or over at verbaldiorama.com and you can also find my work at filmstories.co.uk as well. And finally, we just have to make their... Their eyes move just one inch. Come here. Come over here. Show her. Okay. Watch and learn. You know what I'm saying? You sit there. You drink the clap and not the mother the clock, not the clock. Come on now, like you taking the shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice she got it. Yeah, we'll yeah. make some money tonight. Come on, let's, let's go. go. Bye. Movie should know. Movie should talk. Together, we can make a difference. That's been the sign-off for everything Livestream for the Cure related ever since the event began back in 2017. Hello everyone, my name is Nick and I am the host of the Livestream for the Cure, an annual charity event to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute for immunotherapy research for a world immune to cancer. And over the past six years, we've made that difference together. Amazing listeners, amazing viewers, amazing podcast partners and content creators all coming together and we've raised over $70,000. But this year, we're going to make our biggest difference to date and we're going to raise $25,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Tune into the event at twitch.tv slash livestream for the cure starting May 18th as we're joined again by podcast partners and content creators from around the world to help the Cancer Research Institute crush cancer. Together, we will make a difference.